One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 92. Today is a very special day because it's the first ever edition of the Making Good Book Club. If you missed the announcement on episode 87, here's the short version. Making Good now has a book club. Once a month, my co-host Sherelle and I will discuss a book we think can help move the needle in your small business and we'll share our takeaways specifically for small businesses. My co-host is marketing strategist and book lover, Sherelle Griffith. Sherelle is an amazing small business owner who adds so much to the conversation around these books, and I'm so glad she's agreed to join me on this journey. If you want to get to know Sherelle a bit better, definitely go have a listen to episode 87. Today, in this first book club episode, we're talking about the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. We discuss what the book is about, our key takeaways, and our ideas about applying it to your small business. And then at the end of the episode, we share our choice for next month's book club. Just a reminder that if you want the updates on the book club, you can sign up to get notified at makinggoodpodcast.com slash book club. Okay, so before we get into all of the good stuff, one more big update from me. The doors to making good happen are officially open and I am so excited. I've had such amazing small business owners sign up from all kinds of different business categories, and I absolutely cannot wait to work with those of you who have already signed up. And if you haven't already signed up and you're wondering, what is making good happen? Well, let me tell you. One thing that I know all too well is that it's one thing to learn the things that will help our businesses thrive, and it's another thing entirely to actually take the actions we need to take. It's the action that changes things for us, not the learning by itself. And that's what Making Good Happen is all about. Making Good Happen is a monthly membership designed to help you custom build a marketing plan for your business. And more importantly, to take the actions you want to take day in and day out to see the results you want to see in your business. Making Good Happen includes a private members only podcast called, you guessed it, Making Good Happen. There will be short and sweet episodes every weekday, ranging from mini pep talks to journaling prompts to action items. It includes deep work sessions. So these are kind of like co-working on Zoom, but with no video or audio to minimize distractions. It includes guided monthly marketing plan creation, an online community of other like-minded small business owners, accountability tracking of your most important deadlines, guest expert presentations each month, and more stuff that is a surprise and some bonuses. So that we can all kick off 2022 with a bang, Making Good Happen is officially launching the first Monday in January. January 3rd, 2022. So if you want to start 2022 with an intentional strategic marketing plan that you actually execute and an amazing community, join us in making good happen. If you're interested in joining, you can head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash happen, 
and sign up for an email with all the juicy details. Now, because this is the first time I'm ever offering this program, you can join and get this monthly price for as long as you're a member at the lowest rate it will ever be available at if you sign up within the next couple of days by December 18th. This is a ridiculously good deal, and I would so love to have you join. Again, you can get all of the details at makinggoodpodcast.com slash happen. Without further ado, here's episode one of Making Good Book Club, all about mindset by Carol Dweck. Terrell, we are here. It is the first ever episode of the Making Good Book Club. I am so excited. I can't believe it's finally happening. I'm so excited. Such a good book. Great way to kick it off. I'm so excited, Lauren. I know. I know. I feel like we picked the perfect place to start. And um, for those of you who maybe just stumbled upon this episode, the first edition of the Making Good Book Club is on the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. And that's what we're going to be talking all about today. Talking about the highlights of the book, the main takeaways, and then importantly, um, how we can apply what we've learned to our small businesses. And before we dig in, we thought it'd be fun to just check in a little bit with each of us and see what's going on in our businesses and um, what's new before we sort of dig into the weeds of all things mindset. So December is a busy time of year for me because when it comes to planning, that's one of my like real supermarket, supermarket, superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I've been running 2022 strategy days. So I'm working with um, business owners one-on-one to create their annual plan for the next year. So I have run a few, still got a few more to go. So I run them up until January as well. So yeah, busy time for me, but I love it. There's nothing that gets me more excited than like sitting down with people thinking, what are you going to achieve next year? And then Mm -hmm. create a plan to make it happen. So yeah, good time of year for me. Yeah, that's fun. Yes, for me, it is also a super busy time of year. So this episode comes out December 15th. We're in November as we record, but still it's end of year madness for retailers. So um, we're busy stocking up the shop and um, I'm about to launch my holiday stationery collection. We've got all of our, like in the US, Black Friday is a huge big deal um, all the holiday promotions, shipping deadlines, just kind of getting our heads around all of the messaging that goes into all of that. And, um, luckily I have a little bit of a team to help with the operational side and I kind of stick to the marketing. So, um, that's what that's, I'm knee deep, neck deep, chin deep in all of that right now. So <laughs> you just have an eye popping out. It's just popping out above. <laughs> I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I think this is the perfect time of year for the conversation we're about to have. Um, You and I, we both agreed that mindset would be a great place to start because I think it is easy to underestimate. I know it is easy to underestimate the impact that your mindset can have on the results that you see in your business and how things go for you. This is something I did not anticipate really when I started out in small business land. I just kind of thought it was all about the tactics and the strategies and the courses and implementing. And I did not realize how important it would be for me to really get my head screwed on. Right. Um, But I really didn't have the language around the different ways that my mindset was affecting me until I read this book mindset. So as people are thinking about entering January and a new year of their business, Um, I think this is just such a perfect foundation that we can lay and um, start 
you know, really approaching the new year with a new mindset or at least a, a refreshed mindset. So super glad we're starting here. Let's start by talking about just what is this book about? I mean, what are the key takeaways that you'd have taken away from reading this book, Sherelle? So I think for me, as you were saying about mindset is something that like as a small business owner, you've got to work on it. And I think I, like you, like virtually everyone else I've ever known, it's only once you start running a business, I think you realize how much like personal development and personal growth work needs to happen. But the thing about mindset, I think when you think of it, um, when we think about our mindset, it's like, oh, I've got to change it. And you might have heard people say like, you need to like look at your limiting beliefs or identify what your thoughts are and what your mindset is. And so when I first read this book, I was like expecting it to be, I suppose, a bit around that. And it, it wasn't at all. Like actually for me, what really stood out about the book straight away was just this idea of like the two different types of mindsets that people have. So rather than necessarily digging deep into like particular beliefs, just this actual concept of being basically you can have a fixed mindset or you can have a growth mindset and how on that whole level of just depending on which side of the scale you sit, that has a massive impact on the rest of your life in so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I feel like one of the, well, actually first let's define fixed mindset and growth mindset because I think that's really, for me, over and over again throughout the book, like just really getting your head around what each of these two things looks like um, is sort of the core outcome of the core takeaway that I have of the book is like mm-hmm. really understanding what they are. The book has tons of examples of different people, athletes, business leaders, um, students who have exhibited one of these two mindsets and how that has has affected the course of whatever they're doing. And I think it's important. An important point that she makes several times in the book is that we all have probably both of these mindsets in different ways. You're not 100% a growth mindset person or 100% a fixed mindset person, but we tend to kind of lean on one more than the other. And that affects, of course, pretty much everything in our lives. Um, so let's define them. And I think I pulled up the page where she first defines them. So I'll just read the, her definitions. And then Sherelle, if you want to maybe translate that to, <laughs> to, I don't know, non-academic speak, um, or take away from that. <laughs> okay. So she says, believing that your qualities are carved in stone, the fixed mindset creates an urgency to prove yourself over and over. If you only have a certain amount of intelligence, a certain personality, and a certain moral character, well, then you'd better prove that you have a healthy dose of them. So a fixed mindset is believing that your qualities are fixed in stone, your capabilities, your intelligence, those things. The growth mindset is based on the belief that your basic qualities are things that you can cultivate through your efforts, your strategies, and help from others. Um, So what? yeah, translate that for me. So I think, so fixed, I see very much this idea of like, we sort of are what we are born. (laughs) That makes sense. This idea Mm -hmm. that actually our qualities are probably formed from quite a young age. um, And that is the reality of how we see the rest of our life. And we sort of put ourselves in a box and we think that we do not have the ability to change. We think that qualities are just something that you either are or you aren't, you either have them or you don't. And by the time you become a certain age, you sort of think that's who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. 
that's what mm-hmm. I take fixed mindset to be. Right. Whereas growth mindset is this idea that change can happen. And actually these things, are, these qualities that we have as individuals are not fixed in stone. And even if there's been part of your life for a certain amount of time, there is no reason why you can't change. But as the quote um, like you read, it said about like through effort, through strategies and help from others, like this isn't, you're going to change it overnight. And I think this taps in a little bit to like how we have habits and how like our natural behaviors. So it's not like you're just going to be able to flick a switch and it'll change, but through concentrating effort through awareness um, and through trying to change you do have the ability to change Mm -hmm. and the main thesis of the book is really that the most the people who I guess accomplish the most and see the most success whatever that looks like for them whether it's academically or in business or in sports just the highest performers highest achievers are those with the growth mindset not the, and the fixed mindset can really hold us back. And what is interesting is that it's so in my experience and even my life, like the fixed mindset is so ingrained to like everything. Um, a big thing with the fixed mindset is labeling and judging things. So, you know, when your parents call you like smart or you're so good at that, or you're so naturally talented, Interestingly, what we take away from that is I'm naturally smart. So I can't show, I can't basically, if I put an effort into being smart, like if I have to study to be smart, for example, that means I'm not naturally smart. I guess, I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but like the idea of being a natural at something is something that Mm -hmm. we start to pride ourselves on rather than priding ourselves on, you know, working hard and getting better through hard work. Yeah. And the book talks about this idea that we just, we don't actually reward people with hard work. We do seem to have, you know, an appreciation and an affection to people who just seem to be naturally talented and gifted. That's what we're like, oh my gosh, these are like superstars or that they're super formers, like where they come from. Whereas the people that seem to have worked for it, actually we have a different mentality and attitude to them. Right. But even the so-called naturals, like often if, if you're a quote unquote, natural, you have this natural talent or ability, but you don't put in the hard work. These people are often overcome or surpassed by the people who maybe didn't start out like with the quote unquote natural ability, but were the people who put in the work and the practice and the effort. Um, And I can think about this in my own life. Like I was a pretty naturally talented softball pitcher. um, And I, I didn't have to work very hard to be a good pitcher. Pitcher's a position in softball. Um, and I, I was guessing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and so in the beginning, it was like, I was so good. I was, I was tended to be better than people on other teams naturally, but I didn't like, I guess I got some kind of gratification about being a natural at it. And I didn't put in as much work as other people. And like, as I got into high school, people surpassed my abilities because they were putting the work in. They weren't, you know, viewing themselves as a natural and eventually I quit. So, I mean, I've, I can think of so many examples in my own life where I can see my fixed mindset showing up Um, because two people with a fixed mindset, the idea of putting effort into something and working really hard and then that not paying off, like being cut from the softball team or not getting into that college. Like that is so unfathomable, 
equally difficult for people with a fixed mindset. The idea that you could put effort into something and still not be good enough. So we kind of self-sabotage ourselves by just like not putting the effort in and then you have something to blame it on if it doesn't go your way. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned earlier about labeling, and I think that's something that I really could resonate with. So like as a child, I was definitely someone that was like, oh, you're really good at maths. Um, And I wasn't good at English. And that for a very long time, I just internalized that and absolutely like it was unquestionable that I'm really good at maths. And even now I'll say a lot, like I'm really good at maths. I'm really good at numbers. That's why I do like pricing and profit with people. I'm giving the numbers all day long. And actually I just totally internalized that and probably never, ever questioned it again. Whereas the label of like not being good at English has been a label that for a very long time stopped me probably trying to even improve in that area because I felt like it was pointless. and has only been like actually since I've started a business and I ha- having to blog and having to write content for my business that really pushed me to like be like, this is a label someone else gave you and you don't need to keep, you don't have to believe it. Like, yes, that was you when you were 10. That's not you when you were 30 year old. <laughs> yeah. She makes a great point in the book about stereotypes. Um, for example, I mean, you just use this example, not being good at math. A lot of us grew up with just like the cultural idea that women or girls weren't as good at math and science as boys were. And I think this has shifted, but when I was little, that was definitely the case. And so she shares a bunch of studies in the book about how if you ask someone to fill in their gender before they take a math test, for example, basically you're just reminding them of the stereotype. So they're just Mm. checking the box to say, I'm a, I'm a woman or I identify as a female that actually will affect their test results because you're reminding them of this like stereotype that has been placed on women. Whereas when they gave the same test to people, but did not say anything about their sex or gender in the beginning, then the results were pretty equal across the board for girls and boys in their math performance. So I think um, obviously this is a problem. All these stereotypes that can be something that women experience, people of color experience, a lot of other groups experience. So she talks about how the growth mindset can really help you not be affected by these stereotypes as strongly. I think for me, another huge takeaway from the book was around how we react to setbacks um, Mm -hmm. and obstacles that we experience. And I I feel like until pretty recently, definitely resonated much more with a fixed mindset. I can see so many experiences from my life about just like giving up if if it didn't go all one time or um, just believing certain things about myself. So here's an example about setbacks. I took in college, I took an art class and I'd always been kind of interested in art, but it wasn't really my focus growing up, I was more into like sports than just hanging out with my friends. And I really didn't do a lot of art on my own, but I had always identified as creative and like artistic. And I was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm in college. I went to a liberal arts school. So I was exploring a lot of different topics. I was like, Oh, maybe I'll take an art class. So I did. And I took an art class. It was at 8 30 AM, two days a week, which was very, very early for my college career. (laughs) I got up to this class. It was a longer class than most classes. Like I think it was two hours or something. Each one, I put so much effort into this drawing class. And at the end of the semester, I basically 
the teacher hadn't really graded us throughout. It was just kind of like you submitted your work and you got feedback. And then I had, so I had no idea what to expect, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm creative. I put so much effort into this class. It's going to be fine. It ended up being my lowest grade of the semester. And I was pretty heartbroken about it. Not so much because it was a low grade, like it was a fine, it was okay. Um, But it just, to me, it told me like, oh, you did well in these other classes, like economics and writing and whatever. You did not do well in this art class. So therefore you are not creative. You are not an artist. And Mm -hmm. I didn't take any more because of my fixed mindset looking back. I just gave up on it. I said, okay, that's not my thing. I label myself now as I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. Um, I'm going to move on to the things I am good at. And so I didn't take any more art classes. I didn't even do it as a hobby really for like 10 years. And then what's funny is that when I finally kind of found my way back to it, was willing to try again and put some effort into practicing like it ended up being what has kind of led my career in the direction that it's led. Like I quit my marketing job. I started a stationary business based on my calligraphy and watercolor. So, but I mean, that was like 10 years of my life based on a tiny, you know, piece of feedback that basically I just let completely dictate the future of my life. So, I mean, that's one example in my life from just that's the way that I mean that's that's such a story now given exactly like what you said what you do in your business and it's like a thank you for sharing that because I'm sure it'll be really useful to like all the listeners because actually that's really easy to happen that literally Mm -hmm. someone says one thing one incident and all of a sudden as you said if you have a fixed mindset you then put a label and you've basically like I failed at something and then you're like, okay, fine. That's it. I'm not good at it. I'm never going to be good at it On to the next. And because particularly, I think if you are success driven, there is a lot of other think people out there and lots of other literature that will say, you know, focus on what you're good at. Like, you know, tap into what your superpower is, focus on the one thing or that type of talk. So then it's easy if something hasn't been like natural, it didn't come to you straight away for you to feel like, well, this isn't something I'm meant to be focusing on. And then just like you did just walk away from it. So I think actually it can be a massive issue. And sometimes we do give up way too quickly and has stopped us from probably following something that would have been amazing for us. But luckily in your case, you came back around to it. So it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I did, but it took a while and it, you know, it, I do feel like in the beginning of my career, it was just a lot of doing things that other people told me I was good at. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that must be the thing I should do rather than really listening to like what I love to do. And even if it wasn't the thing I was most naturally, quote unquote, naturally gifted at, um, I guess, I, yeah, I just always believed that like there were things that I was good at. There was things that I was not. And like, that's how to find success is just to follow the things that maybe you feel like in the beginning you're good at. Um, yeah, absolutely. One, I think that's a really natural thing to do. Um, and yeah, I think one you mentioned about like you failed that class, like like connects back to the books, like whole attitude around failure. Mm-hmm. And it says like the, the difference between saying like I failed and I am a failure. So this idea of like uh-huh. failure being an incident versus making you a failure as your identity. And that was something I really resonated with in the book. And I thought, actually, yeah, I can really see how it's easy it is 
when you fail to describe yourself as a failure. And therefore, once you take on that identity, that impacts other parts of your life because you see yourself as a failure. Whereas what she says is like people with a growth mindset are able to keep on moving because they're just like, I failed at this. I failed once I get back up or I failed. And that's just the reality of trying something new. Like, you know, we all, when we're trying to learn to walk, none of us stand up and start walking. Like we all fall over and we get back up. That's part of life. And this mm-hmm. idea of actually, once you can start to separate it and stop seeing failure as an identity, like yourself as an identity and just seeing it as an incident and something that's happening, that's what enables you to start to build that growth mindset and keep on going. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think another thing I took away from the book with regard to failure is that actually failure is not the opposite of success. It's it's the path to success, right? So being willing yeah. to try things and put it out there and like the process of failing is how we learn and learning is how we find success. So it like really striving for failure almost um, <laughs> is is something that I took away, like just being willing to do things and know that it's not going to go right the first time all, always, but you have to do it one time to kind of get to the next time where you're a little bit better and a little more capable. So yeah. That's a great thing to bring up. Let's talk about how to apply all of this to small businesses. Um, And the reason that I am transitioning at this exact moment is because as you were talking about failure and as we're talking about being willing to fail, what that makes me think of is live video. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the things in the world, live video. (laughs) Live video, live video. Because I think this is something that really holds people back. I mean, right now in the marketing world, video is very important. It's being promoted heavily by all the major platforms. We kind of know that video is something that I don't want to use the word should, but that if we were to be willing to do video, whether it's showing up on your Instagram stories or reels or whatever it is, that that could have a pretty positive impact on our businesses and in our marketing. But a lot of us are not willing to do that because we don't feel comfortable. We don't feel like we're good at talking on video. Um, And I feel like this is really like a fixed mindset versus growth mindset opportunity. If you can channel the growth, growth mindset and really put yourself into the growth mindset, being willing to show up on live video, for example, being willing to go talk to your stories, Sherelle, something I know that you do, which like much more than I do, which I am inspired by. You get better after, you know, every day you get a little more comfortable, you get a little bit less like awkward, you get a little bit more uh, familiar with what it feels like and how to stay focused and, you know, talk in a way that really connects. So the only way though, to get from, I'm uncomfortable with live video, I don't want to be on live video, I don't want to show my face. The only way to get from there to being comfortable and seeing results from it is by doing it, even if you you know, you're not going to be awesome at it in the beginning. Like that's the inevitable path to it. So um, that's just something that came to my mind immediately was between fixed and growth mindset is you really have to channel that growth mindset when it comes to putting yourself out there in all marketing ways, but in particular video. That's so interesting because that's definitely not what came to my head, but that's the joy of uh, (laughs) co-hosting is someone I'm like, wow, mine actually was about tech. Because mm-hmm. I come across so many people who have such a fixed mindset around, around tech, just in general, that they're like, I'm not techie. I don't understand tech. Like, mm-hmm. how on earth would I ever be able to do 
a TikTok, a reel, a, you know, edit something like, you know, when they just have such a mind blank, just like, this is not going to happen at all in any way, shape or form. And it's always one of those things where I feel as if at what point in the past did you make a decision that you aren't good at tech? Because I think actually I'm like quite lucky in terms of, I did quite a bit when I was in secondary school um, of like, of IT. So information technology, whatever it was, I think it was ICT there, like information communication technology. But it meant that actually I was always willing to try. Like I remember trying to learn HTML um, and being like, you would code stuff and then you'd press like, refresh or whatever. And then I'd be like, oh no, the website's totally disappeared. Great. So, you know, all that type of stuff used to happen. And so I've always then just thrown myself into trying tech and it's not that I would say I'm good at it, but I've just always given it a go. So I suppose my, when I meet people that just, I can tell, just have such a fixed mindset around tech that they're just like, it's never, it's not for me and it's never going to be for me. I'm like, well, actually things have changed and, you know, apps are trying to get, be like more friendly and more intuitive and all this type of stuff. When was the last time you actually tried to do something rather than just assuming it wasn't for you straight away? Yeah. And I think another point that she makes in the book is that having a growth mindset doesn't feel, doesn't mean that you're excited about for in this case, tech, it doesn't mean you're like, oh, I'm so excited to jump in and figure out this tech that will help me, whatever, set up a sales page or get my products listed on my website in the way that I want them to be. It doesn't mean that you're excited, that you feel comfortable, that you feel like it's your thing. Having a growth mindset is really just being willing to take an action anyway, right? Um, so you don't have to feel like on top of the world about a particular topic or part of your business or part of your life. But the point that she makes in the book is when you when you notice yourself having a fixed mindset about something and that's holding you back, part of putting on a growth mindset is just to be willing to do something, to put in the effort, to practice and to um, not just say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to figure out this tech thing, but to make a very concrete plan about how you're going to do that. So not tomorrow I'm going to figure out this tech thing, but tomorrow I'm going to sit down at my desk at 10 a.m. with a cup of coffee and I'm going to go search the help forums for like the answer to this problem that I have or whatever it is. But really getting specific and like granular about what you're going to do, I think is really critical. And that's something that I can really relate to is just... I have a lot of like examples in my background where I've been like, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Like the diet starts tomorrow or this starts tomorrow, whatever it is. But if you don't get really specific about what that plan looks like, then you're just kind of setting yourself up to not do anything. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I think like... I mean, I'm all for planning and I'm all for like action taking. So I think I've been quite lucky that I think once I've decided if it's an area I'm going to push myself into, um, I think in that side of things, the growth mindset has been something I have embraced, uh, I suppose a bit more over the last few years. I think I actually read this book like four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there has been an impact of reading it, but what I can definitely still see, I think in other people and like when we're talking about like as a small business, how does a book really apply is both like for you as an individual. And when you start to build a team is this idea around creating an environment where failure is accepted and non-perfection is accepted. And I think mm -hmm. particularly I find small business owners that have real 
like high expectations, high quality, high standard, which are all amazing things. Like I'm not telling anyone to put something out that's substandard and like give people a bad service or like create a subpar quality product. But there is, there is a difference between, I suppose, striving for perfection to the point where that stops you because, you know, as Laura Laura was saying earlier, there is a a learning curve. And so if you're just trying something new, you could, it's going to be a bit, not great at the beginning and you're going to have to do it a few times before you get up to a certain acceptable standard but creating that environment where that is allowed and whether that means there is the time required for you to be able to actually do the hours to get it to the standard you need to or to develop that skill I think that's a really important thing to consider yeah yeah and that just makes me think of the idea of celebrating like the effort that people put in rather than just always the results that they get so you know if you have a team or even just for yourself, like you say, if you've been working really hard at something or someone on your team has, even if they're not there yet, like really making the goal that people are putting in effort to get better and to learn and to progress, like that's as managing yourself or a team, whoever it is, or parenting, like whatever the kind of example is, but really having a focus on effort like and putting in the effort and trying to figure out how to learn and get better that I think like rewarding that rather than just always the outcome is really important yeah Um, effort is effort should be rewarded just as much as results I love it (laughs) yeah another thing that comes to mind for me in terms of applying this book to small business is the idea of responding to criticism Um, Yes. When she talks about this in the book, she explains that people with a fixed mindset, when they're criticized, they completely shut down. Um, They don't want to hear it. They get defensive. They have excuses. They blame it on other people or the tech failing or whatever it is. They don't tend to take responsibility. Um, Whereas people with a growth mindset can find a way to look at the criticism and learn from it and, you know, maybe disregard anything that's not relevant. But if it is like actually useful criticism, view it as like almost a gift in a way, like, oh, here's a way that I can get better. Um, I'm excited about this because I can improve because of it's not, I feel like this is a judge, like a personal label on me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this relates to small business because we do get criticism. Maybe it's someone who disagrees with like things they're saying online. Maybe it's a customer who is not happy with something or something went wrong. Um, Maybe I'm trying to think of other examples. Just you will run up against times where someone's not happy with you and has something (laughs) to say that maybe if you have a fixed mindset, your instinct would be to get defensive. But just having this response of like, what can I learn from this? I think is such a beautiful way to reframe that. It's, yeah, it's a really good point you brought up because actually you're talking as well about, like, I suppose, some unsolicited feedback. But actually, like one of the things I have had to push myself and because I work with other service based people is to be like, actually, you need to ask your clients in terms of what you could be doing better, because that's the only way you can get better is to actually ask the people you're working with. But that means it requires a massive growth mindset because you're literally like 
putting it out there to get criticized rather than like the un like right. unsolicited criticism you're actually putting yourself there and I know for like a while it was a question that I'd like just miss off my survey <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like no Sherelle you need to put it there you need to do it but it's hard because you know you are opening yourself up but that is a real example of a real, a real growth mindset when you're like actually I know for me to do the best in my business I as part, that is one of the things as an offboarding process, you should be truly finding out if there was anything else you could do. So you can keep refining and improving for the future. Such a great point. And I think for those listening who are product-based business owners, the way that we can apply that is just by asking for feedback on your products. So whether it's like a formal review thing, like you're asking for reviews or um, having a follow-up email to transactions that says, I really want to know, like, what did you think of this product? Um, inviting that feedback is, is scary, but, but what you hear will only make things better. Um, so yeah. And it just also reminds me of like the whole process of having an ideal customer and really getting to know that person and finding out what, what resonates with them, what they like, what they don't like, how they feel served, how they don't feel served. Like the more you get to know that person, the more that you can, or like a, to the point of feedback, the more feedback you get from that person, the more you can make the changes that will make your product or your business even more effective and, and successful. So that's a great point. Here's the question I really like thinking about because I'm, uh, I'm very much like a, self-help, self-improvement person. So hopefully we've convinced people listening and if they've read the book, they probably are already convinced that the growth mindset is really something to aspire to like in all aspects of your life. Um, But how do we actually become someone with a growth mindset? Like maybe we've gotten to the point where we can identify a fixed mindset in ourselves or in certain parts of our lives. How do we actually go about shifting that if we notice that we have some room to grow here. So Carol wrote down like a four step process in the book, which she was called like the journey to a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So stage one is all about awareness, which is actually just like embrace the fixed mindset. And I truly do believe this is the first step. I think we can only change what we're really aware of. And so acknowledging where you have a fixed mindset. Cause I think as well, like Lauren mentioned earlier, we're not normally fixed in every single aspect of our life. And so it might be that you are like, it might be like personally, you have quite a growth um, mindset, but like you have a fixed mindset around your business or like vice versa. So just un- like really trying to notice, okay, do I have a mi- an fixed mindset? If I do have a mindset, what areas of my life is it really starting to come up? Ah, like where's it coming up for me so embrace and embracing that and being like totally aware and then it's like being aware of your fixed mindset triggers so working out what flips you into a fixed mindset essentially so that could be you know I think like we both said is there a label that when people say something you totally re um, embody that and I'm like oh yeah that's true rather than actually challenging it and remember no that's who I was x amount of years ago or that's just someone's opinion that isn't a fact and um, I think that whole thing about being able to split opinion in fact 
um, particularly when it comes to labels that you're being given, for example, make a massive difference. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I thought, this one is always a bit of a funny one for me. So she's like, name your fixed mindset persona. And I always quite struggle with any book that tell. it's quite common. Um, anything to do with like mm-hmm. limiting beliefs will always be like, or oh, anything around mindset seems to be like, you need to separate it and make it a different person and give it a persona so that you can identify it as like part of you, but not the whole of you and so that's why you get to a point where you can feel as if you can change it because or you can remove it because you're not like destroying your whole self in the process yeah so you've got to make your fix go on right I want to read an example because I'm really glad you brought this up this example of like giving it a name when you see the fixed mindset show up can I read an example from the book of someone being her fixed mindset just to kind of make it really clear so she gives an example of one of her students who named her own fixed mindset. And this is what the student wrote. She said, meet Gertrude, my cagey, histrionic, self-aggrandizing fixed mindset persona. She sneaks into my subconscious and undermines me. The name Gertrude means strong spear, which reflects her insistence on unwavering natural strength. She detests hard work, second place, and imperfections. Any whiff of failure or imperfection can can trigger Gertrude's entrance. Three seconds slower in a swim race, no shot at the varsity team. Didn't draw as good a self-portrait as another girl in my class. Art isn't your thing. Couldn't use as many big words as my older sister. You'll never be as smart as her. Gertrude convinces me that failure is definitive. One mistake can take away my future success. I think for a lot of us, like this fixed mindset For me, at least, it sounds a lot like my like internal critic. It's like the not so nice voice in your head that if you can learn to notice and like, I do actually like this activity of giving it a name. Um, I I personally haven't yet, but, um, (laughs) you know, something to think about. Well, give it a go. Uh, choose a name and write the passage. Like that one, like Gertrude is so vivid. And I think the more vivid you make it, the, the idea is it just helps you to really identify it. So mm-hmm. if anyone's listening, give it a go, see if it helps you. As I said, I find it a little bit weird, but I know it does work for lots of people. So it's not to say don't give it a go. <laughs> um, but And then once you've actually got your fixed mindset persona, you've identified it, you've written it down, you've given them a name. That's when the whole education process starts. And that's where you can then start to go on this journey to actually develop a growth mindset yeah um a couple of times throughout the book she gave some examples of different reflection questions that you can ask mm-hmm. yourself that I love a good prompt whether it's for journaling or just thinking about or whatever it is um so sh- throughout the book I highlighted a few which I'll share which I think really yeah they go into this kind of fourth step of you've identified your growth mindset you've kind of gotten a hang of what triggers it you've named it maybe, or at least have found a way to really clearly see when it's showing up. And then how do we practice? So here are some of the questions that I took note of. At the end of the day, asking yourself, what did you learn today? Rather than what did you accomplish today? Um, Asking yourself, what mistake did you make today? Because mistakes are a sign that we're actually doing things. What are the opportunities for learning and growth today? So I love all three of these questions because I feel like they just give you a chance to reframe what success will look like in any given day. It's much more about the effort that you put in, being willing to make mistakes, being willing to fail for the sake of like progress. 
And it also has a real focus on actually learning. And I think, you know, the, the questions you shared, like one of them definitely sounded like more like a morning prompt versus the other two are like at the end of the day. It's like, if you start your day thinking about like, what can I learn today? And then you actually have the end of the day, what have I learned? Like, can you just imagine how much you'd be constantly growing and learning and just improving and becoming better in so many different ways? Because you can't, you can't, if you have that type of attitude, like that's just inevitable, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and that learning, I guess these questions kind of imply that learning is the goal, that through learning, that's how we succeed and, and get better and achieve more. Um, not through just really fixating on labeling ourselves as smart or natural talents or natural creatives, whatever it is, but by actually putting in the work to learn. A couple other thing I just wanted to touch on is I really liked how broad in the book she was able to apply this this concept of the fixed and growth mindset like so across so many different parts of your life um as a brand new parent i'm definitely thinking about this in terms of parenting because i think she makes a huge effort to convey how important the words that we use are whether we're talking to ourselves or members of our team or kids like constantly calling your kids smart like i said before or talented or unnatural like these actually they do feel good to hear in the moment as a kid but when some time has passed you start to believe that like that's where your value is as a person is in you know this i'm i'm naturally smart therefore like i can't show that it took me effort to be smart you know i have to just have this facade that i keep up and really about presenting an exterior that's what we can create through how we teach our kids like what matters basically so um i'm thinking a lot about this concept as a parent um she also has some good examples of using it in relationships so whether it's like your romantic relationship or friendships she talks a lot about defensiveness and blame and you know being having a growth mindset when it comes to being a good friend or a good partner um not feeling like not learning how to not take criticism so personally, basically, and being willing to get better at being a partner and a friend and putting the work in and not just thinking that, oh, this is my marriage. So if, if it's hard, if it requires any work, that means there's something wrong with it. She's like, her theory is very different that all relationships take work and effort. And that's not a sign that there's something wrong. It's a sign that you're taking care of it in the way that needs to be taken care of. And I really like though, because we've heard talk about relationships taking effort um and hard work i think also i was like actually that makes sense as well for like people that have both got a growth mentality because the more time they're together you'd expect there's going to be more change and so actually if you've got two people that have had like a fixed mindset and they're just basically the same person 10 years later whereas if you've got two people who are both actively trying to aspire to have a growth mindset and push themselves and learn they're inevitably going to be some changes and therefore both as an individual and as the two of you you're going to have to work at it to keep continue to make it work because you're, you're evolving and you're not staying the same person that they first met such a good point such a good point and i think that's true with friendships too like yes you're mm romantic relationships but also you know just friendships business relationships team relationships whatever it is just um yeah if you're if you both got a growth mindset which we hope you both do 
that just means more is going to change. So I love that point. Let's start to wrap this up with practical takeaways from this book. So when we had our first conversation together, Sherelle, um, where we introduced you to my podcast listeners and I asked you like, what, how do we actually take what we learn from the books that we read and make sure that we're doing something about it, like actually implementing something as a result of reading it and not just continuing to read book after book after book and not actually doing anything about what we learn. How do we do something about what we learn? So what you said that I really loved is to kind of not bite off more than you can chew, pick, write down a few things that are kind of your main takeaways or your main things you're going to do differently as a result of this book. So we don't need to necessarily prescribe what these have to be for people, but what, what would they be for you? What would they be for, like, what would you recommend as your top takeaways as a result of reading Mindset? So my biggest thing I took away was about keep setting goals for growth. And so, cause I'm always, I'm already a big goal setter. I was like, actually, this is just about changing my approach to goals. Um, and suppose not always necessarily writing goals that were all about the accomplishment and the end, but also setting goals that were just challenging myself that would require some learning that would require me to upskill um, and to put myself in situations where I'd grow. So that was definitely um, personally for me, one of the takeaways because it was something I could do, but it sort of integrated with what I already was doing in my life. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I, I talked about this a little bit already, but I think my biggest takeaway is really around being willing to put in the effort, even if the outcome is uncertain. So, um, just an example of that concept is I'm launching a pro version of this podcast very soon, like a membership. And this is not something I've ever done before. So I'm noticing all kinds of mindset things showing up for me, but has been really fun to contend with. Uh Um, And so the fixed mindset part of me wants to be like, well, there's no guarantee this is going to be a huge success. So why put any effort into it? It could just be a big waste of your time. And so I'm really challenging myself to be willing to put in the effort, even when the outcome is uncertain, Um, being willing to put myself out there, being willing to, I don't know, put myself at the risk of failing, which I guess has been a big topic of this conversation, um, because that is really what the growth mindset is all about. Understanding that that willingness is what eventually will get you to success. I really like that you mentioned, you said like about uncertainty. So it's like, you're going to try it, but you know, you're going to give it a go, but you're uncertain about the outcome. But the reality is we're always uncertain. (laughs) It's just sometimes we feel because of the past that we have a bit more control over what the outcome is going to be. So like we feel that, okay, this is going to be successful. This is going to work, but actually Mm -hmm. everything in life is uncertain. But like, I think it was a, for me, I was like, oh, that word really popped out because I actually, that's what it is about sometimes with that something that you think isn't going to possibly work. If you've got a growth mindset, it's just like ignoring that and just being like, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try regardless of what I believe is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And knowing that even if the outcome is not what you hoped, that even in that there is something to be learned and to grow from, um, basically viewing. Yeah in everything, knowing that there's something to learn. And so I guess that would be my other big takeaway is just 
reminding myself to always ask when things go right, when things go wrong, like, what can I learn from this? Because there always is something to learn. And I was going to say uh, the biggest, um, like what I class is probably the easiest way to like start this process is just by adding, if you already have a journaling practice, adding those prompts that Lauren mentioned earlier, because if you truly woke up every day and thought in the morning, what could I learn today? And at the end of the day, you reflected to me personally, like the reflecting and what I've learning is really powerful. And so like actually being able to like collate it and see it over time because sometimes as well we forget what we've actually learned and we sort of take for granted <laughs> the change that's happening so being able to like document it and be like oh my gosh actually I've learned all these things in the last year like that's a really powerful process and that helps to remind you that growth is possible and if you've done it once you can do it again yes so good so good I am really excited that we started with this book because I think, yeah, it's something I want to just remind myself to read like once a year or once every couple of years, because I've now read it. I read it most of it one time and now I read it. I read it all the way through just now. And it just sparks so much thought and so much. I just like excitement about what's possible (laughs) when you really can get a hold of your mindset and, and have a little bit more of intention around the beliefs that you let guide your decisions and your actions. So. Really glad we started with this one. Let's reveal our next book, which is, I'm also really excited about this one. I think it is the perfect book to start January with. So we'll be having our January book club um, episode on this book. And this is also one of the books that has been most recommended by my podcast guests. So if you've listened to interviews before, you know that I ask every guest for a book recommendation. Sherelle refused to answer this because she has so many <laughs> books she loves, but most guests answer it. And this has this book has been recommended probably the second most. I'd have to do the adding. I think it's the second most recommended book. And this book is, do you want to announce it, Sherelle, or should I? I'm going to this is the drum roll. It is Atomic Habits. <laughs> Yay! Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you read it yet, Sherelle? I have read it. It is such a good book. So I read it a few years ago and it actually made uh, the reading list for my book club. So awesome. I 100% agree with you and probably every single other guest that has recommended it. I'm so, so glad that we've chosen it to be um, to be in the book club. And particularly for January, I think it's a great book for everyone to read at the start of the year. Like it's such a good book. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, actually. So I used to read his blog years ago, but I have not read the book. So this is very exciting for me to have a brand new one to get my hands on and get my head around. So everyone pick up a copy, Audible or hardback, whatever you like, but um, start reading that one and we will keep you posted. And again, just to keep in the loop with all things Making Good Book Club, um, go to makinggoodpodcast.com slash book club and you can just pop your name in there and we'll make sure that every time we have a new book announcement or the episodes come out that we can notify you about that. So um, Sherelle, thank you so much for this. This is such a blast. I loved this conversation about mindset. I'm so glad we started here. I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks. And yeah, thanks for, thank you so much for co-hosting this with me. 
you're absolutely welcome. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I can't wait to hear what other people think about it as well, because I think everyone who reads a book picks up something different. And that's one of the beauties of why I wanted to do this. I think yeah. I learn just as much from hearing other people's thoughts as like you do your own. So I can't wait to hear what people think. Yes, everyone. If you have something to add to this conversation or just something you agreed with or disagreed with, even better, um, take your <laughs> screenshot while you're listening to the episode and tag us both on Instagram. And we would love to hear what you what you think, what you have to add. So Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith. It's C H A R E L L E G R I F F I T H. Did I get that right? That's perfect. Yes, <laughs> and I'm at Lauren Tilden, and that's L A U R E N T I L D E N. So we can't wait to hear from you. Thank you for listening. So there you have it. The first edition of Making Good Book Club is officially in the books. See what I did there? Sherelle and I both want to hear from you. What did you think of the book and our takeaways? Do you agree, disagree, or have something to add? Connect with us on Instagram and let us know. Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith. That's C-H-A-R-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H. And I'm at Lauren Tilden. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N. Notes from this episode can be found on the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 92. And finally, I would so love to work with you inside of Making Good Happen, my brand new membership kicking off in January. Get all of the details at makinggoodpodcast.com slash happen. And to lock in your monthly rate at the lowest price that will ever be available, be sure to sign up before December 18th. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.